Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. John had been arrested by King Herod. His arrest was an abuse of power. John had been saying to Herod that you're living in sin, you're living in adultery, you're living with your brother's wife. And Herod didn't like that. And so he arrested John, put him in prison. And then Herod gives this big banquet and this girl is dancing, the daughter of the woman that he's committing adultery with. And she obviously mesmerizes him. It's this amazing dance, all these guests. And so like a fool, he makes an oath, you know, offers her whatever she wants up to half of his kingdom. Guy's an idiot. So the daughter says to the mom, what should I ask for? She could have had half the kingdom. She could have had wealth and riches. The mum, who's obviously very evil, incited by the devil, says, I want John the Baptist's head. And anyway, Herod has to follow through because of his oath. So now he's a man of principle. The whole thing is ridiculous. Anyway, the end result is that John the Baptist is martyred. He's killed and his disciples come and they get his body. John had been hoping that the kingdom of God would come to Israel and deliver him from prison and he believed that Jesus was the Messiah but he was obviously starting to doubt. John was actually the cousin of Jesus. John was six months older than Jesus. Their, their mothers were sisters and so obviously this news would affect Jesus. Verse 13, now when Jesus heard this he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So I don't know if he stayed in the boat, just somewhere out in the lake, or if he got out the boat and found somewhere a nice quiet spot. But either way, he went and isolated himself for a while and just grieved. It shows the human side of Christ, his humanity. You know, Jesus, he was fully God, but he was fully human. He emptied himself of, of his divinity, humbled himself and took on the form of a man. And he came as a human being. So when he was on earth, he wasn't operating as God. Um, with all of his godlike powers, but he was operating as a human and he got tired, he got hungry, and when close ones died, he grieved. He felt emotion. And so he was grieving, and it's good to grieve. And he was grieving the loss of his cousin, died in a horrific way, a terrible way, horrible death. And he loved him. And so he went to grieve, and, uh, and then the crowds found out. And they try to track him down. And then it says, but when the crowds heard it, 
They followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So he was out on the, on the lake in the boat, just sitting by himself, grieving for a while. And it also it shows us that it's good to grieve, to isolate yourself some time and grieve. But he didn't do it for too long. He didn't let the grief overwhelm him and completely take him off course. He had a purpose and a mission to accomplish. And so he comes back to shore on a mission from God. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. They thought that they were good administrators. Yeah, we're taking control of the situation, Jesus. This is what you need to do. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So obviously it was a large crowd, five thousand men, besides women and children. So we know if you added women and children to it, that was a very large crowd. And he fed them supernaturally. So this was an incredible miracle. And again, he was teaching his disciples to have faith. They were doing the natural thing, the practical thing. We're out in the wilderness. You need to send them away so they can go and get food or they're all going to starve. You know, they were concerned. And Jesus just took the time to teach about the kingdom and the supernatural. And he says, no, you feed them. And he knew what was going to happen. And so then it's very interesting. He, they, we know that it's actually a little boy that had the five loaves and the two fish. And so it was bread and it was meat that Jesus multiplied and fed the masses of Israel. And this is very reminiscent of Israel in the wilderness, when God fed them manna, bread from heaven, manna that just came from heaven and it fed them. And then also the quail, they got, they got sick of the manna and they complained. And so God gave them meat, quail. And so here Jesus, actually he is the bread of life. And here is Jesus, just another sign and a wonder to confirm that he is the son of God, the Messiah. And he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven to feed us. And as we feed on him, we have eternal life. And so the manna in the wilderness, the quail, the meat in the wilderness, the provision, those were just pictures and shadows and types and symbols of what was to be fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the fulfillment. He is the bread. He is the meat. You. And he said, you know, later he says, you need to eat of my flesh, and drink of my blood if you want to enter into the kingdom. We know that they didn't understand. They got offended and they left. But this miracle is, is a very amazing miracle. And it really is just another confirmation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one sent from the Father. Verse 22, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus enjoyed some alone time with God, getting alone with God. And in this life, we need to take the time to get alone with God, spend time with the Father. 
He was still grieving, but he'd also just poured himself out in, in ministry. He'd been praying for the sick, been preaching. And sometimes it's just good to not just think I'm a machine. I can go, go, go. And we just burn out for Jesus. We're so on fire for Jesus. We just burn out for Jesus. No, we, there's rhythms in God. There's rhythms in grace. And Jesus knew, I just need to get alone with God. I don't want to be with the disciples right now. I just want to be alone with God, spend time with him. And it's wonderful. So, but this is also kind of a bit of a setup. So he sends his disciples ahead of him in the boat. They're going to cross over to the other side. He's like, all right, I'm sending you ahead. We're crossing over. We're going to the other side. I'll meet you there. And so they would have had instruction from Christ. We're going to the other side. And that was the word of God to them. And we're going to see how important that is. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Incredible miracle. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. I mean, as you would. You're in the boat, there's a crazy storm, and you look out in the middle of the storm and you see this figure just walking along the water. You would think it's a ghost because there's, there's no human being that can walk on water. But I can see there's a person walking, walking towards us and it would have freaked them out. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And this is incredible. See, I believe that this actually happened because it's in the Bible. And I believe the Bible. So I believe this is a phenomenal miracle and that Peter actually walked on the water. And we know that it's impossible to walk on water unless the water is frozen. But this water wasn't frozen because water doesn't freeze in Galilee. And the question is, what caused Peter to walk on the water? I mean, he, he sees Jesus walking on the water and immediately thinks, wow, if Jesus can do that, I can do that. And so he says, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come and I will come. And Jesus gave the word, come. And so Peter, he knew if Jesus said come, that means he could come. And so it wasn't the water that Peter was walking on. It was the word of Jesus that Peter was walking on because Jesus said come. So he knew I'm going to come. And so he, he, it was faith in the word of Jesus that caused him to walk on water. He got out the boat and he started to walk towards Jesus. And then verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And what an incredible situation. It's like a training exercise in faith and Peter was succeeding but then he was failing and so he was succeeding when he was trusting in the word of God when he was believing in the word of Jesus come and he believed it but then he got his eyes off Jesus and off the word and he got his eyes onto the circumstances and he looked at the wind and he saw the storm and and so when he saw that he started to doubt and unbelief came into his heart and that's when he sunk and so he should have kept his eyes on Jesus. He should have kept his faith in the word of God, but he took his eyes off and he got caught up in the circumstances. And this is great lessons for us in our life. You know, if we want to have faith, keep our eyes on Jesus, stand on the word, 
don't look at the circumstances. You know, if, if you're sick, don't look at the circumstances. It's like, yes, the circumstances are real. Yes, there's a storm. Yes, the waves are big and all of that. But you know what? Jesus is walking on water. He's showing it's possible. And he said, come. That means it's his will that I come. And he said, I can come. So he has a will and an ability. And so I'm stepping out. I'm going. And so if you're sick, you don't look at your circumstances. It's what is the will of God? What is the ability of God? God has the power to heal me. Jesus took my sickness on the cross. And Jesus revealed the will of God and he healed all. And that, that's the will of God, to heal all. And so I need to stand on the word. I'm not going to look at my sickness, my circumstances. I'm going to look at the word of God. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. I believe your word greater than my circumstances. God, I thank you. It is your will to heal me. It is your, it is your word to heal me. And I stand on that word. I believe it. And I declare that healing over my body. I declare it in Jesus' name. And I take a hold of it. And I'm not going to get caught up in the circumstances, the doctor's reports, Yes, I'm not blind to that stuff. I'm not blind to the facts, but I'm not basing my life on the facts. I'm basing my life on the word of God and, and the facts and the physical realm needs to surrender to the superior realm of the spirit, to the realm of the kingdom. And I'm going to walk in that realm of the kingdom and it's going to have dominion over the natural realm. Amen. And sickness has to go. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's amazing. Jesus was never afraid to tell people they didn't have faith. We're so afraid, but he wasn't afraid. And he wasn't saying it to try to hurt his feelings or to try to be mean. He was saying it out of love. He was saying what Peter needed to hear. Oh, you of little faith. I mean, I'm sure Jesus was proud of Peter. I mean, Peter was just this wild man. Like he, he actually had crazy faith. And we see in the, in the book of Acts, I mean... He was trained by Jesus and he failed so many times, but he tried so many times. And that's all we got to do. We got to just keep stepping out in the word of God. Don't just sit in the boat. The, the other disciples sat in the boat. It's like you'll never walk on water if you just keep sitting in the boat, playing it safe, doing the safe thing. No, man, got to be like Peter. Get wild. Step out in faith. And he was trained by Jesus. And eventually we see in the book of Acts, his shadow was healing the sick. People were laying the sick in the streets that his shadow might just touch them. And so, but Peter didn't just suddenly get that as some kind of gift. No, he trained in faith. Jesus trained him how to have faith. And there was numbers of times Peter had to hear, you of little faith. And he's like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying to have faith. Help me, Jesus, help me to have faith. And Jesus, and he was, he was a good student. And we just need to be good students. We, we have to be prepared to hear, I don't have faith. You know what? Why couldn't I get that healing? Why couldn't I get that miracle? Why couldn't I get that, that breakthrough? Because you didn't have faith. You doubted. It's like, oh, I'm so offended. Oh, how can you say that? You've hurt my feelings. No, get, get over yourself. It's like, you know what? Own it. Yeah. I don't have faith. I need to strengthen my faith. I've I got to get my eyes on Jesus. Probably somewhere I'm looking at the circumstances. I'm looking at the storms. You know, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe in healing, but I'm focused on the storms. I'm consumed with the sickness, the storm, uh, my lack of money. I, I just, I, I can't seem to get that out of my head. Yeah, and that's, that's causing you to doubt. And so we need to learn how to have faith in Jesus. And we've got to be honest about our unbelief and about our doubts. I don't have 100% faith all the time. If I did, I'd be walking into hospitals and emptying them. I'd walk into cemeteries and empty the tombs, the graves, you know, but I'm not walking that kind of faith. There's so many levels of 
unbelief and doubt still in my heart and I'm working on getting those things out. All this trust and dependence on all these other things. It's like, no, I just want to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I believe that he is God. He is so powerful and it is his, it is his will to heal us, to bless us, to protect us, to strengthen us. And, and, and where there's unbelief, I just want to learn how to have faith. And I want to, and, and faith comes from the word of God. Peter walked on the word of God. Jesus said, come. And so I want to find out what God's will is and what his word says I can have and what is mine. And I want to stand on those things and not look at the circumstances. Verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Oh, that would have been incredible. It's like all this big storm and big wind and Peter's like, yes, he's walking on the water and then he's sinking and then Jesus is like helping him up and then they both get in the in, in the boat and they sit down, calm. Imagine the disciples sitting in the boat. It says, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are, truly you are the son of God. <laughs> they just watched this whole thing happen. Peter's sinking, then he's walking, and then he's coming back, and they get in the boat, and then the storm just calms, and they're like, oh, we worship you, you are the son of God. <laughs> it's just incredible. And um, I don't think the disciples would have been thinking, oh, Peter, <laughs> you unbeliever, so doubting, so much doubt. Oh, where's your faith? You sank. Oh, Peter. They would have been like, oh my goodness. Peter, you walked on water. That's incredible. What did you do? How did you do that? We want to do that. Teach us. He's like, eh. to some, the secrets of the kingdom are revealed. But to you, it's a mystery. <laughs> In verse 34, and when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So they crossed over the Sea of Galilee and landed in Gennesaret. The first time they went there was to deliver the, the men who were full of 6,000 demons. And after they delivered them, the people of the town came and they begged Jesus to leave. Now Jesus arrives back. They recognize him. Hey, that's that guy who got, who got those men free. And now those men, before they were crazy, now they're in their right mind and they're normal. And they're back in society. And what happened was incredible. And Jesus, he's back. And they recognize him. And so they sent word throughout all the town and they brought all the sick and then they implored him, other translations say they begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And that is at his feet. They begged that they might just bow down at his feet and just touch him and that they might be healed. And then that says as many as touched him were healed. And that bowing down, that is just an act of surrender. It's honoring him as Lord. It's putting their faith in him that he is the Messiah. He is Lord. He is the anointed one. It's having faith in Jesus and it's surrender. It's an act of worship. It's, it's coming under his authority, coming under his power. And as they did that, as they touched him, the power of ki the king, the dominion of the king came over them. The power of the kingdom came into their life because they surrendered to it. And through faith, they had faith in it. They surrendered in faith to the king and to the kingdom. And therefore, power was able to flow and go into their life. And everyone who touched him was healed. And that is incredible. Hey, this is Ryan Rufus, and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter. 
Could I ask, if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary? That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.